0: MIT professor Gung Chen is kind of a big deal in the world of nanotechnology.
1: He was chair of the mechanical engineering department at MIT. His specialty involves um, studying how heat moves through very small materials. We're talking about like a thousandth of a width of a human hair level.
0: That's our colleague Aruna Vishwanatha. At MIT, Chen helped set up a research collaboration with another university in China called SUSTech. And in January 2020, he visited there with a group of students. But when Chen flew home from China into Boston's Logan Airport, something unexpected happened.
1: He's going through Customs and Border Protection agents, pull him over for a secondary inspection and search his baggage and take his two phones and a computer and start asking him some questions about what he was doing in China.
0: Chen said that this was just a routine academic trip with students. But the agents had more questions.
1: And they kind of press him, these agents keep pressing him on what exactly are these meetings that you were doing in China. And he just says they were a part of a collaboration. And they press him on that and ask him what kind of collaboration. And he just responds, a collaboration is a collaboration. And then he tells them that all of his research is conducted in the United States.
0: Eventually, the customs agents let Chen leave the airport, but that wasn't the end of it. —
1: So the agents write up a report of this interview. They describe him as being kind of short and curt and appearing evasive in his responses, and that sort of kicks off this broad investigation into Mr. Chen. —
0: An investigation that led to Chen's arrest a year later on charges that he lied to the U.S. government about the full extent of his ties to China. He's pleaded not guilty. But Chen is not alone. He's one of around two dozen academics with connections to China facing similar charges. The reason? Because the U.S. government is worried they could be secretly helping China. But in the academic community, many are calling the arrests intimidation and an attack on free and open research. Welcome to The Journal. Our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Kadutsan. It's Wednesday, January 5th. Coming up on the show How American University Professors Got Caught Up in Tensions Between the U.S. and China.
2: This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at Mercury.com.  — The greatest long-term threat to our nation's information and intellectual property and to our economic vitality is the counterintelligence and economic espionage threat from China. —
0: That's Christopher Wray, then-FBI director, speaking in 2020. For years, national security officials have been warning that the Chinese government is getting very good at stealing American intellectual property. The U.S. government estimates that every year, China steals $225 billion worth of things like patents and trade secrets from American companies. The U.S. accuses China of stealing trade secrets. China accused of global cyber offensive to Ooh.
2: steal trade secrets. The U.S. has complained for years about China stealing American firms' trade secrets and forcing U.S. companies to hand over technology in order to operate in China.
0: In 2018, the Trump administration voiced a new area of concern, the ties between U.S. universities and China. Specifically, how China was funding research in some key scientific fields, like artificial intelligence, biomedical research, and nanotechnology. Here's Aruna.
1: All of them are fields that the Chinese government has identified as areas that they want to build up domestic capacity in and dominate um, in the coming decades.
0: At first, China tried to build up expertise in these areas by recruiting scientists to come work in China. But when that didn't work, China switched to something else, something called talent plans.
1: Talent plans, where they would pay scientists in the United States and elsewhere around the world um, to come to China for a couple of months, um, teach maybe at a university in China, supervise students, conduct some research while also maintaining their posts in the United States.
0: Why would money flowing from China to American universities and professors who are researching things in the United States, why would that be concerning to the FBI?
1: Because they have, over the past couple decades, been looking at instances where Chinese government linked entities seem to be engaging in IP theft and, you know, stealing secrets from American companies and replicating that in China and then undercutting American companies um, and running them out of the market.
0: So the U.S. government sees this as potentially an avenue by which the Chinese government is able to sort of exert influence over academics and then that influence will give the Chinese government access to information, technology, ideas that then the government can use. Yes. That's the U.S. government's concern.
1: That's right. They saw all of these contacts. They didn't quite know what was going on, but they suspected that it could potentially lead to similar issues that they were seeing in the private sector of um, IP theft that could be used to fundamentally undercut American companies, American research, and they were concerned that this is something that could be happening in the university setting.
0: Beijing has denied any systematic effort to steal U.S. scientific research. And Chinese state media have said that American allegations are politically motivated. Why would any academic researcher in the U.S. want to take China's money?
1: Part of the academic enterprise is that you have to spend a lot of time applying for grant funding to help support your research group to be able to pay for your graduate students to pay for running and maintaining your lab. It takes a lot of time to apply to NIH, to the Department of Energy, to the agencies in the U.S. that fund scientific research. The pot of money that the U.S. government has is only so big. And so if you have other people coming to you saying they'll fund your work, that's pretty attractive.
0: Is China the only country funding research in the U.S.?
1: So you see it in some uh, countries in the Middle East— Russian institutes have entered into some collaborations with U.S. universities. um, But nowhere do you see the kind of scale that you see emanating from China. No one has that kind of money to spend on academics, like, all across the, the country at the top schools.
0: One of the first academic institutions that got on the FBI's radar was the M.D. Anderson Cancer Center at the University of Texas, one of the largest cancer treatment and research centers in the U.S.,
1: The FBI goes to the famous Cancer Research Institute and says, hey, we think you might have a problem with some of your employees in their connections to China. You might want to check this out.
0: After MD Anderson got the FBI tip, it conducted an internal investigation and found that some of its researchers had been secretly sharing information and products with scientists in China.
1: They find one researcher who seem to be taking an expensive um, DNA analysis tool to China, unbeknownst to M.D. Anderson. They find another researcher who had been reviewing confidential grant proposals by other scientists to the National Institutes of Health. He seemed to be reviewing those proposals and sending them to colleagues in China, which is a big no-no.
0: It's a no-no because the U.S. government doesn't want other countries to know what kind of research it's thinking about funding. Three M.D. Anderson scientists ultimately left the institution, though all of them denied any wrongdoing. The president of M.D. Anderson said in a statement, quote, At risk is America's internationally acclaimed system of funding biomedical research, which is based on the principles of trust, integrity, and merit. To the FBI, M.D. Anderson's findings were a sign that there could be suspicious connections with China and other universities, too.
1: Which kind of sparks a lot of concern across the U.S. government that, hey, this this could be a potential problem we have at universities around the country.
0: This whole situation kind of reminds me a little bit of the Cold War and U.S. tensions with the Soviet Union. Are there similarities here between the government's concern about academia and another government that are similar to what was happening during the Cold War?
1: There are definitely parallels, but the scale now is like nothing compared to the Cold War, just in the sense that we were never— As economically intertwined with Russia as we are with China now, Um, Russia was obviously not uh, anywhere near an economic competitor at that time. And the issues that we were concerned about during the Cold War were somewhat more squarely focused on military technology and classified research and nuclear technology. And the competition between the U.S. and China now is on a much wider range of technologies, ranging from biomedical issues to artificial intelligence, quantum computing. There's just a a much wider range of concern for the U.S. government.
0: The government's concern has to do with just how much Chinese money is going to U.S. universities and whether that money comes with any strings attached. And we're talking a lot of money— According to self-reported data from the Department of Education, Chinese institutions and individuals gave $1 billion to U.S. universities from 2015 to 2019. And no school received more of that money than MIT, Chen's home institution. The school received $125 million. Since then, MIT has said it would intensify its vetting of projects that involve China, as well as Russia and Saudi Arabia. But whether or not any of this is illegal... That's after the break.
2: This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com.
0: The U.S. government says its cases against American professors are a measure to stop Chinese espionage. In January of last year, when Chen was charged the FBI special agent in charge of the Boston field office did not mince his words.
1: He said, Our investigation found Chen was working with the Chinese communist government in various capacities at our country's expense. And the real victims in this case are you, the taxpayers, who we believe he knowingly and willfully defrauded out of 19 million in federal grants by exploiting our system to enhance China's research in nanotechnology.
0: Here's how the U.S. attorney put it at the same press conference. —
1: Chen had numerous appointments and contractual relationships with the government of the People's Republic of China that were intended to advance the scientific
2: and technological goals of that country. —
1: And so they talk about it in pretty stark terms as having major national security implications. —
0: But when it came down to the specific charges, the government has stopped short of actually calling Chen a spy. Chen was charged with wire fraud, failing to file a foreign bank account report, and making a false statement in a tax return. He pleaded not guilty. And MIT?
1: The MIT community responded pretty vociferously as soon as he was arrested, saying the government seems to be misconstruing what we're doing, and everything they're describing is you know, basic scientific collaboration, and MIT came out and said, well, we just want to be clear that um, this collaboration that seems to be at the heart of the case with this university, SUSTEC, was a university institutional level collaboration, and we 100% support that.
0: And many academics point out that this is public research, not classified government work. The results would eventually be published and peer-reviewed. The charges that Chen faces are similar to the charges the government has brought against about two dozen other academics. They mostly have to do with lying to the government about financial or military ties to China. MIT isn't alone in standing up for its professors. A visiting scientist at Stanford also faced similar charges. And professors there said the government was racially profiling scientists of Chinese descent, like the Stanford scientist and Chen, who became a naturalized American citizen in 2000. How has the U.S. government responded to criticism from the academic community that these Chinese-American researchers are being racially profiled.
1: So they've definitely pretty strongly denied that they're pursuing any cases based on ethnicity or or that they're racially profiling in any way. They have argued that, well, the Chinese government tends to focus on people with ethnic ties to China when they're trying to recruit and trying to encourage them to work at Chinese universities. And so that has also been who has shown up largely as defendants in these cases.
0: But the government's investigations may be having some unintended consequences. There's evidence of a chilling effect on the research community. One recent survey of hundreds of scientists found that researchers who identify as ethnically Chinese are shying away from certain kinds of sensitive research and leaning more towards, quote, safer topics that might invite less government scrutiny. Universities are changing their policies, too.
1: A lot of them have stepped up their game on trying to um, more accurately keep track of where the funding is coming from, what kind of collaborations their professors have, and they've heightened their standards in terms of what kinds of collaborations that they're uh, going to ultimately sign off on when it comes to Chinese institutions.
0: What has the Chinese government said about the U.S. government's actions toward these researchers?
1: So their official statements have called on the U.S. government to stop these cases, saying that they're harming you know, the Chinese researcher community, but in some ways they have benefited um, because our reporting has shown that there have been a, a number of Chinese American scientists who have ultimately decided to go back to China rather than stay at their U.S. universities because they were concerned about the climate generated by these cases.
0: As far as the two dozen cases that are part of the government's crackdown, the U.S. has had some success.
1: In late December, they had a pretty high-profile conviction of a very senior chemistry professor at Harvard who had been part of a Chinese government talent plan, had affiliations with a university in Wuhan, and lied to the Defense Department and to Harvard about those affiliations when he had been asked.
0: After the verdict, the professor's lawyer said, quote, We respect the verdict and will keep up the fight. But in other cases, the accusations didn't seem to hold up.
1: I mean, the first of these cases involving these types of disclosure issues that went to trial, University of Tennessee in Knoxville, um, that case ultimately ended in an acquittal. And the judge ended up throwing out that case after trial, basically saying that the government hadn't proved that this professor had knowingly misled anyone about his affiliations.
0: Of the two dozen academics that have been charged, nine defendants have pleaded guilty. But in six cases, the charges have been dropped completely. And Justice Department officials are discussing dropping the case against Chen, too. Aruna's reporting shows that some consulting roles Chen was accused of hiding were actually connected to his work at MIT. In other cases, they were posts he either didn't ultimately pursue or wasn't paid for. The Justice Department is also conducting a broader review of its efforts to counter threats posed by China. Changes could be announced later this month. What does this situation say about where the line is between furthering science and undermining US interests?
1: So everyone can agree that classified research is something you want to protect. You can agree that you don't want to be collaborating with Chinese entities on military technology. You don't want to be collaborating on artificial intelligence technology that could end up um, helping facial recognition software that's being used to surveil ethnic Uyghurs in China. Those are the kinds of things you can agree on. But when you move kind of further back the chain into more basic science research, those questions get pretty thorny. And when you're talking about uh, fundamental research and that the findings are all ultimately public, that's a, a line that they're still trying to figure out, like, where do you draw that?
0: That's all for today, Wednesday, January 5th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Shah Hua. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.